0: Well, we are in week three of our series, The Pursuit. We are looking at how we as Christians must pursue Christ in order to have a relationship with Christ. Last week, we got to explore how not only are we pursuing Christ, but Christ is also pursuing us. And so today I want to give us a real tangible way to help us with our pursuit of Christ and our effort of becoming more Christ-like. It's important that as we undertake our pursuit, that we state our aim to make sure that we keep our focus and really realize what it is we're trying to accomplish. And the pursuit of Christ is all about becoming more like Christ. And if we want to be more like Christ, then we have to know who Christ is, what Christ thinks, and what Christ did. And so in order to do that, we have to spend time in the word of God. And we're going to look at the importance of scripture to our lives today. I hope I can really nail home for you how important it not only has been for me, but how important it is for all people and that you'll see the value in that. And maybe it will help you to change some of your habits. We're going to be in John chapter one, verse one through five to start. And it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John starts here by making things really clear, at least one thing really clear for all of us. That as far back as the record of human existence has occurred, as far back as anyone has any recollection, Jesus has existed and the word has existed because what he's using here is a, a a word when he says the word in the beginning was the word. What he's really talking about is Jesus. He's talking about the revelation of God that we see through Christ. This passage is really referring to Christ when it speaks of the word Now, the word, as I just said, is God's revelation to man. So in Christ, we have God's revelation to man. What it is we should be doing as we live this life and walk this earth. Christ perfectly fulfills God's revelation. And I think that this passage speaks to the perfection of scripture as well. Comparing Christ to the word and the word to Christ. John writing from a standpoint, knowing that Christ is the perfect lamb, the perfect son of God. And it tells us that if we want to know Christ, that we must also know the word. You see, John saw the word of Jesus as the truth of God. John saw scripture as the truth of God. Christ, if you will, is the everlasting message of God, the father and his story. His story is in the Bible. And so as we pursue Christ, we must also pursue the Bible. And we must pursue time in the Word. If we want to pursue Christ, we must pursue the Word of God. There's no other way around it. Okay, There's not a substitution. It's one of those elements that we have to have. right? You think about baking. right? You make a cake. You forget the baking soda. It doesn't rise. All of a sudden, your cake is now a brownie right? Maybe still good, still something you would eat, but not quite what you were hoping to achieve. It's the same way as Christians with our walk with Christ. If we're missing that key ingredient of the word, we don't quite have the full picture that God intended for us to have. And then we're told in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, that all scripture, that's an important word, all, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the biggest affirmation for our need for Scripture. Paul is absolutely trying to solidify for us and to remind, in this instance, Timothy about the power that Timothy has in the Scripture as he is walking through his ministry in the world. And he starts by saying that it's God-breathed. It's God-breathed, which means that it is divinely inspired by God. God God-inspired may have been a more accurate translation of the original scripture. But all scripture is God-inspired. Meaning that every stitch, every comma, every period, every ounce of it, was specifically designed to be there by God. As Christians, we believe that, yes, while men wrote the the books of the Bible that we read, each one was divinely inspired by God when writing that book. And because of that divine inspiration, we can see it and find it to be trustworthy. And all scripture is useful. There's no part of it that we can disregard. There's no part of it that we can not learn from. Even when you look at some of the genealogies that are listed, they seem like they just are endless record keeping, but all of it has value. There's always something in my mind to, to, to glean from scripture as we are diving into it. As one scholar put it, scripture is complete, capable, and proficient In the sense of being able to meet all demands. Scripture is basically the how to be like Christ for dummies. Right? I mean, that's really what it is. I might come up with that translation. We'll put a yellow cover on it. It'll just be the exact Bible that someone's already done. I'm sure it will sell like crazy though. But that's really what Scripture is. But its greatest accomplishment is that... It can equip the believer for all good works. Scripture is our tool. It is our guide. It shows us exactly what we need in order to be like Christ. If we want to know Christ, if we want to be like Christ, if we want answers, Scripture is here for the job, and you need it. And then we're told in Ephesians 6 14 through 17. If you've ever heard that saying, this, that, this is the passage that it comes from. The first few things that are mentioned here, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation, are the armor which we have been graciously given and, and which we use to protect ourselves from temptation and from evil. But it is the word of God, the sword, that allows us to sever all ties to our previous life, to the grips that sin may have in our life. The sword has been given to us to cut down the enemy in its tracks. And we cannot be without it. None of us, none of us, none of us would go into war without a weapon. Nobody would. I guess unless maybe you're a medic and you're like a conscientious objector. There was like a famous movie. But I'm saying, typically, the majority of us, me specifically, I would not go into any real physical battle without a weapon. Right? Like, there may be pieces of armor that I would maybe disregard, not intentionally, but I'm definitely having a weapon. The Bible is our sword. It is our weapon and our walk with Christ. It is what he has given us to combat the evil one, to combat the lies that he tells us. Now, I've been very open about my mental health in the past. It has not always been the strongest. And there have been times in my life where I have been in the throes of depression, times in my life where I contemplated, frankly, ending my life. And the thing that I struggled with in those times was the lies that the dark one, the evil one, Satan, whatever you want to call him, would tell me about my value, about my worth, about how I wasn't contributing good things to this world, about how I was just dragging everyone else around me, about how God didn't really love me, and all of these things, right? And I listened to those lies, and I had this weapon at the time to combat those lies with, and I wasn't using it. And so I did what I think all of us should do when we have a time in our life like that where we're really struggling. I went and sought professional help. I went to a counselor. I had to talk to somebody. I had to tell them how I was feeling because the other option was me taking my life. And I was at that point. And luckily, I decided to get help before I went the other route. And I still remember Being in that first session and bawling my eyes out and feeling like an idiot and feeling weak and feeling like I shouldn't have had more faith in God and feeling like God is going to smite me almighty smiter because I'm in this room, not trusting him. And I'm talking about all these lies that I'm believing about myself. And he's just listening. He's just listening. And he finally says, well, what are you doing to combat those lies? I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you told me that you feel like God doesn't love you. Is that true? And I said, I don't know. That's why I'm here. I'm trying to talk to you. You tell me, does God love me or not? And he said, well, have you been in your Bible? Well, no. He said, well, what's your Bible say? I said, what's your Bible say? I'm paying you. You know how expensive this is to be here right now? Help me out. And he said, what does your Bible say? He said, Think of something. What does your Bible say? And of course, what did I think of? I thought of John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting faith, life. And probably faith, everlasting life. And I remember sitting there thinking, God does love me. God gave his son for me. As I sat there thinking about how I had no worth, I remember being, sorry, I remember being shown passage after passage about how Christ pursues and how he would leave the 99 for the one. Like we talked about last week and how the wages for my sin was in fact death, but That the gift of God was eternal life through faith in our Lord Christ Jesus. And I remember having that truth revealed to me. And I remember it washing over me. And I remember feeling like an even bigger idiot. Because I had this sword. I had this weapon. I had this help in my time of need. And there it was closed on my dresser. Satan will make you believe any lie about yourself that you will take to heart. He will tell you you're unworthy. He will tell you you are not loved. He will tell you that you're ugly. He will tell you that you're hated. He will tell you that it would be better for you not to be alive. But scripture tells you a very different story and it is the message that God wants you to hear. And that is why it is so important that it becomes a huge permanent part of our life. Sever the sword severs the ties that sin has on us. The word purifies and strengthens us. The sword is literally given by the Spirit. Scripture allows us to fight against the assault of the enemy by countering his lies with God's truth. And if you want to know God's truth, you need look no further than the Bible. Hebrews 4.12. We're told, for the word of God is alive and it is active It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You see, Scripture, the Word, is the revealer of truth. It's the revealer of truth. And it will reveal to you the truth about yourself that sometimes is uncomfortable and sometimes we don't want to to know or see through scripture. We're able to determine the heart of our motivation. Why are we pursuing God? Is it to have God? Is it to have that relationship with Christ? Why are we partaking in this pursuit? Because there are people out there who take part in this pursuit for nefarious means. They will use God to get rich. They will use God to make you feel good and steal your money and take your happiness. That is a real possibility. Which is why we have to have scripture to... To, to be able to reveal to us the truth of not only their motivations, but ours as well. Why do you do the things that you do? When I read this passage and I started to think about and dive in and, and, and look at all the different you know, manuscripts and different things that, that people had to say about this particular passage. The only thing that kept popping up in my mind was TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and all these videos that people put out there of them helping the homeless. Is what they have done bad? No. But why are they doing it? It may not be for me to question their motivation, but why are they doing it? Some of them are doing it with very pure purposes. Their intent is to inspire others to help out in a way that they have been able to help out. To show people that if they have the means, they can change a life. And there are plenty of videos that you will find that will leave you inspired. There are plenty of videos that you will find that will leave you desiring to approach life in that same way. But there are also plenty of videos that leave you feeling uncomfortable. That make you question what exactly is that person recording this person for? Is it to make themselves feel better? Is it to get more likes on their video? Is it to try to go viral? Is it to give themselves a pat on the back? What are your motivations for why you do what you do? You can do good things for the wrong reason. And when it comes down to our relationship with Christ, Christ always did the right things for the right reasons. And it's important that we pursue that same relationship in our actions as well. And in order to, to know, in order to be completely sure that what we are doing is for Christ and not for ourselves, we need that connection with Christ to be able to have that source that reveals it to us. And the word of God is a part of that, okay? It is a part of that. And we have to have that knowledge. We have to have that information in order to... To be able to be sure about our actions, that's why Scripture says God. Or, 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 or we talk about how God likes people to give with a cheerful heart, right? It's all about the the motivation. It's all about the priority. When we talk about the saying that you hear all the time, God loves a cheerful giver. Why isn't it God just loves a giver? Right? Why was there a separation between Cain and Abel? They both gave. They both gave. But one gave out of the motivation of their heart and their desire to be like Christ, where the other gave out of selfish ambition and selfish focus. And so understand you can do really good things. And you can do them for all the wrong reasons. And while the world may not be able to see through you, God will see through you. And if you seek your reward here on earth, that is where you will get your reward here on earth. But if you seek something higher, if you seek eternity, if you seek Christ, then that is what you also will receive. And we see that truth in scripture. I'm going to end by saying this. I cannot, and I mean cannot emphasize enough the importance of scripture in my life and the importance of scripture in your life any good that is within me is within me because of what christ has done and part of what has shaped me i always look at myself as like a a a smoked ham not sweet enough to be honey baked Right? But kind of like a smoked ham. And you know, they have those like electric carvers where like, and they're slicing stuff up. I'm always like a smoked ham that's turned into like one of those carved wooden bears you see in Branson, where God's just kind of cutting away the pieces to get rid of this gnarly looking, grease covered, fatty tissued, although delicious ham and turning it into something that is marvelous and magnificent and awe-inspiring now am i there no but is that what christ wants for each and every one of us absolutely that's what he wants for you too jack is that it's, it's good yeah keep it all you know we're we'll gonna record that we'll put it out uh truth truthfully that is what god wants for you and for your life he wants you to be this picture of godly perfection that would be his desire For you to pursue Christ in such a way that one day you reflect Christ in such a way that there's not a distinction. That is what scripture does for us. The word of God challenges us. It challenges me every week. Every time I dive in to study for a sermon, to study the word of God, it changes me. In some, sometimes big, magnificent ways. In other times, small, minute ways that people may not see at first. But the word of God changes me. It challenges me. It strengthens me. It encourages me. It sustains me. It is a source of comfort. It is a source of peace. The more time I spend in the word, the more Jesus that I take in. And the more Jesus that is inside of me, the less room there is for other stuff. You know, when I went to uh, Evangel, I transferred to Evangel after my freshman year at Jury University. I went to Jury, uh, I got like this presidential scholarship, and everything was magnificent, and uh, everything was paid for. And I, this is what I wanted, and it's where my grandpa graduated from, and I wanted to continue the family legacy. And I had all these reasons for going, and I hated it. I was miserable. I didn't include God in that decision at all. It's what I had wanted for a long time. And so that's what I had done. And I changed my major like six or seven times that year. And uh, I was going to be an aeronautical engineer and build airplanes and make money and fly places. And it was going to be great. And I was super excited about it. And I was in like calc three or four. And I don't know if you've ever seen calculus, but it, I don't know if it's real. Like, I did it for three years of my life, but I'm still not sure it actually existed. There were multiple times I went cross-eyed and didn't come to for weeks, okay? Calculus is insane. But when I went and I, I started to get my undergrad in biblical studies, and I am studying biblical languages. Guys, I only had so much room up here for all that. And the first thing to, like, get dumped out was calculus. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to need this ever again. Somebody else can type in a formula into a computer because it's really all they do once you get up to higher levels because people's brains don't work that way, right? But my point of being is that I had this whole lot of stuff I didn't need up here, wasn't going to use again. It was cool to know it. Sometimes I enjoyed it. Most times I was miserable. But as I started to really dive into how you study the word of God and how you look at original languages and and how you just kind of formulate all of these things, something had to go. Something had to go because I had this this valuable information that I needed to take in. I had this valuable information that I needed to commit to memory. I had all this other stuff I wasn't using. And hey, truth, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? It's just what it is. It's the same thing with the way that we study scripture. If you're not in your word, you lose that connection. It doesn't impact your life. You may have seen them put the story of Moses up on a felt board when you were seven years old in your children's Sunday school class. But if you haven't been in the word of God since then, it's not going to impact your life. The difference that it had made is gone. And whatever you're filling your life with now has taken its place. I say all of this long way around to encourage you to tell you that if you have a lot of stuff in your life right now, a lot of things going on in your brain that you're thinking, I don't know why this is in there and I don't need it. And let me tell you, I still have a whole lot of that. I'm just like, why did I have that thought? That was strange, right? Why do I think this way? Why did I want to sin in that way? Why do I, why did the more you fill yourself with the things of God? the more godly you will become. The more you fill yourself with sinful things, the more sinful you will become. If you're spending all this time that you could be spending in the word of God watching porn, it's going to affect your brain in a different way. If instead of seeking Christ, you're seeking the corner liquor store so you can drown your sorrows, it's going to affect you in a different way. These are real struggles. These are real addictions that people have, but there's an alternative. There's something else of value that you can find in your life, and this is just true with everything. Whatever you surround yourself with, whatever you fill yourself with, whatever you take in, it's what you will be. So if you want to be like Christ, surround yourself with Christ and with Christians. If you want to be like Christ, take in Christ. The word, right? Take in the word, understand the importance of this tool. And as always, as I've told you the last two weeks, I'm going to tell you again. I challenge you. Don't believe me? Try it out. Listen to 88.3 The Wind for a week. For some of you that'll be painful, first couple days. Read your Word of God every day. If you're a man, I know that you spend at least 30 minutes on the toilet a day that you're not really doing anything else of value with. Read scripture. Okay? If you're a woman, you are most likely filling your life with things you think you have to do. I have to do this. I have to sweep. I have to mop. I have to, I have to fold laundry. I have to do this. And probably because your husband's spending 40 extra minutes in the toilet not helping you do these things, but you have to do these things. I have all these things I have to do that you really don't have to do. You can take five minutes less to sweep a floor and be in your word. I challenge you this week, fill yourself with as much Christ as you can and see how it changes your week. See how it changes your walk. See how it changes your attitude. But I will tell you, I'm going to prepare you right now that if this is not something that you have done and you try to do it this week, you will be attacked. Satan will come for you. He will see it. He will not like it. He will throw hurdles. He will do anything he can to get you to say, yep, not doing this. Right? Don't want to do this. The first time you're listening to 88.3 The Wind and they do some corny dad joke and you're like, I'm going to, truck's going off the bridge. Right? Can't do this anymore. I'm just telling you, it's going to be on the. You're going to find things you don't like. You're going to find things that make you uncomfortable. Satan will tell you, you are wasting your time. Push through, push through. And at the end of seven days, you can say, I don't feel a difference. I don't know. I don't know. Come punch me in the face. (laughs) I don't think you're, I'm that confident that you'll see a difference. So I challenge you this week. Get in your word, get into Christ, fill your life with as much godly things as you can and see how it will change your life. I'm over time. I'm going to stop now. I could probably go on for a while, tell you all sorts of stories, but we're not going to do that. We're going to pray, then we're going to worship, and then we're going to go. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time in your word. I thank you for what you have revealed to me this week and hopefully what you have revealed to others. Lord, it is important that we know you. We have to know you. If we want to be like you, if we want to be like Christ, we have to be in the word of God because the word of God is the story of Christ. It is the story of God and it is all useful. It is all there to teach teach us. It is all there to change us. It is there to correct us. It is there to mold us. God, I pray that you turn us all into smoke hams this week, that you shave away the pieces that we don't need, that you cut it back, that you trim the fat, that you make us what it is that you would have us to be. Help us to love the people in our life more. Help us to be like Christ to everyone that we come across. There are so many things in this world that can weigh us down. There are so many things in this world that we can fill our time with. There are so many things that we can prioritize over you. But at the end of the day, we have to make you priority number one. And my prayer is, my challenge for everyone here is that this week they try that out, that they do that, that they put you at the top of the list, that they say nothing else will be more important than Christ this week, that they spend that time daily in prayer in the word of God, that they spend that time seeking you, trying to be like you you trying to hear others that are seeking the same thing father i pray for each and every person here i pray for their souls i pray for their family i pray for their loved ones god help us to be like christ and give us a hunger to pursue christ and all god's people said amen amen i'm gonna be back there y'all need to come pray with me please do so uh Allie is back over there to be under that television if you would like to pray with a, a lady instead of myself i will not take offense please go pray with Allie. jake i'm gonna have you go back over there if you will he'll be under there i'll be straight back you got three options come pray with one of us come pray with one of us we all need help sometimes right we all have issues that we can take to god and and get his input on if you need to pray with somebody Please come pray with one of us today. We want, we desire, we would be honored to pray with you. Otherwise, stand right now and worship God. If you need Christ, and let me tell you, you need Christ. Okay, I know that because I need Christ. I know that because we all need Christ. If you need Christ, if you can say, I am not a Christian. I don't have a relationship with Christ. I want to be. What does that look like? Come see me. Let's talk through it. it. Is the most important thing that you could do today It is the most important thing you could do in the rest of your life. Take it away, man.